Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 14th of uh, July, 2023. Happy, glorious Friday. What the hell is this paperwork here? All right, uh, recall on the car. Anyway, I am Derek Hunter. I'm your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good, good stuff. Hope you got some good plans for the weekend that involve, I don't know, air conditioning. It'll be hot. Still hot. It's like... Currently, 94 degrees, according to my Amazon device sitting there. Anyway, don't forget, the Week in Heaven Review will be up at uh, 12.01 a.m. Eastern Standard Time tonight at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Check it out. Support the program, if you would please. I'd much appreciate it. Okay. Enter to win the contest there. Between, it's all spelled out on the page. Uh, I can't remember who it is. I want to get to this because we've got stuff to get to before we get uh, things to get to. We've got to get to the weekend. We've got to get to the holiday. The mystery. I'm looking at Drudge right now. Like, ooh, dark side of Dolce & Gabbana. Owners accused of rampant racism, homophobia, and violent misogyny. And like, what? I don't honestly know. Like, what that means? The, the dark side of those, the UK Daily Mail. All is strife once more in the noble house of... Is that the Kardashian? No, where the hell is it going? Yeah, Dolce & Gabbana. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Paying the Kardashian. Honestly, I didn't... I assumed... I knew that Dolce & Gabbana were two dudes. And I just assume everybody in fashion is gay. Honestly, like every every guy anyway in fashion is gay, not because I'm some rampant homophobe monster, blah blah blah, but because I've watched enough of you know House of Style and E Television and all this stuff. I grew up I like everybody is gay. I think uh, like isn't Ralph Lauren gay or somebody Tommy Hilfiger? Somebody's gay. Somebody was like married for a long, long time and then suddenly like I'm gay. Like so, you're the last one. You're the last straight holder. I couldn't care less. But, uh, like, their rampant racism, homophobia, misogyny. I don't care. I don't ha- own anything Dolce & Gabbana. I can't imagine I would ever own anything Dolce & Gabbana. But it just it struck me as, what the hell? Anyway, forget about fashion. Let's talk about what the f- fashion industry lives off of. And I'm talking, of course, about the booger sugar. The cocaine. Yes, the cocaine. CNN reports, if you were waiting for somebody to actually step up and do their job, I feel like if you gave me access to the information, I could come up with an answer to this thing inside of, I don't know, a couple days, really. That's being generous. That's, That's leaving plenty of time for me to mess around, kind of sleep in, show up late. I feel like this is not that difficult to solve, if you will. You just have to want to. And therein lies the rub. CNN, the Secret Service has concluded its investigation into the small bag of cocaine. Now, I love this thing is moved to four different locations in and around the White House. It has shifted in size and scope, like pure Peruvian. It's like a pound bag of it to, yeah, you know what? It's it's a little nickel bag. You can barely see it. We don't have any idea. It'd be really nice if the Secret Service, in the interest of transparency, would release, I don't know, 
Photographic evidence, theoretically, they took of it, but no. Uh, bag of cocaine found at the White House and has been unable to identify a suspect, according to a statement from the U.S. Secret Service. Secret Service, Service officials combed through security systems and indexed several hundred individuals who entered the West Wing in the days preceding the discovery and were unable to identify a suspect, according to U.S. Secret Service statement. The Secret Service said lab results from the packaging found, quote, insufficient DNA. Now, it's weird because people get caught for murder because they got one eyelash somewhere, but somehow insufficient DNA. Now, no DNA, one thing, insufficient DNA is like, oh, we're so close. And the 23, then the, the, the little double helix thing, we only got to 22 and a half. So close. Just strikes me as garbage. Insufficient and could not retrieve any fingerprints. Well, here's an idea. Unless, of course, this would require an examination of the evidence, but if somebody picked up a bag of booger sugar reckless they see it and they just go oh i'm just going to snag that in the white house they need to be fired immediately if they corrupted this otherwise if you're looking at a bag of blow watch the surveillance footage of where the bag of blow was found and look for the person who's either wearing latex gloves or is meticulously wiping down everything they're putting into these alleged lockers near the uh, situation room. That'd be a pretty good indication. Because otherwise, unless it was really reckless, like somebody said, we're going to take this bag of cocaine and we're going to dust it for prints. What are you doing wiping it clean? Oh, I thought you said, I just heard the dust it part. I didn't hear, uh, sorry. That person should be fired because there's really no other option. There's no way somebody's bringing a bag of Coke to the White House and then before they stick it in their pocket or whatever, they wipe it down. Every, I don't leave a trace of anything anywhere near my cocaine just in case I lose it. Quote, therefore, the Secret Service is not able to compare evidence against the known pool of individuals. End quote. A statement from the Secret Service said about no DNA and no fingerprints. What about video? Hundreds of people. Now, we have been told, I'm going to call BS on this thing. We have been told what? We have been told that this thing was found on Sunday, right? It was Sunday afternoon, back when no Biden was anywhere near, there's no Biden around. Nobody could find a Biden. Boy, they were looking for a Biden. They couldn't find a Biden because they were all gone to Camp David. So it certainly wasn't a Biden. Okay, great. Well, what do you do with that information then? You then have to look at it and go, then it would have been on Sunday, right? Let's just look at the Sunday videos. Let's limit the number of people that we look at to the number of people who came in that door and used that cubbyhole, whatever, on that Sunday. That seemingly, if they weren't lying to us about the time of day and the day itself, that should limit the pool pretty, pretty much, pretty good, pretty well, right? Then here's what you do. Even if, because if they're looking for people throughout the weekend, first of all, you have to sit there and go, why the hell is the secret? Why is nobody cleaning the White House throughout the course of a weekend? What the hell's going on there? That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem possible. But they say there are hundreds of people, 
hundreds of hundreds of people. There's a way to eliminate many of them. Most of them would not have stopped at these cubbies, right? So right there, you, unless there's thousands of people touring the West Wing, which doesn't happen, and then hundreds of them stop there, you take everybody who registered anything and put stuff into this little cubby locker, any cubby locker, and you drug test them. Now, will you be able to drug test everybody? No, some people will be guests of people. Some people will go, you know what? I don't work for the government. Screw you. I'm not going to give you any pee. That's fine. They don't have to. You can go to the other people. The vast majority of people who walked past that area on whatever time it was, uh, say, uh, I don't think a bag of cocaine could sit around for a couple of days in the White House. I think a couple hours ago, five hours back. Anybody who walked past that, we're going to drug test them. We're going to drug. Well, that's a violation. Spare me that crap. It's not a violation of anybody's civil rights. These people are employees of the current administration. They're employees of the federal government. They got to take whiz quizzes. Part of their employment and part of their continued employment, they can be whiz quizzed, tested at any time their employer sees fit. This sure seems like a reason to do some drug testing. Now, if you are a employee of the White House and you were found skulking around on security footage this area, and then they come to you and say, hey, we uh, we need to eliminate, every- we're testing everybody. We're going to see where this cocaine came from. We're going to need some urine. If you say absolutely not, you should be fired on the spot. I'm going to get my lawyer involved. Okay, you no, you're fired. You are an at-will employee. You're out of here. It's that simple. Of course, to do this, you have to have the will. And to have the will, you have to have what's most important in this case and what seems to be lacking. The desire to find out who brought the cocaine into the White House. There is no desire. They're just kind of throwing up their hands and going... Who knows? It could have been anybody. You know, there are a lot of rats running around Washington, D.C. They probably picked up a bag of cocaine and made a break for it in there. It's just like ratatouille, except instead of making ratatouille, the rat is delivering cocaine. Investigators were also unable to identify the particular moment or day when the baggie was left inside the West Wing cubby near the lower-level entrance where it was discovered. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that? Look, I've had to check in places and put the content of my pockets into various lockers or what have you. If And they always give you, like, here's your card or your your key or whatever. This, is, this proves that the stuff in Locker 12 is your stuff. You come back, you give me... It's like a coat check. They don't just throw a big pile of coats in the floor back there. And all right, on the honor system, you come back and we'll just give you a coat. And it'd probably be your coat. Don't worry about it. No, they're very meticulous. This is the White House. This isn't the frat house, even though Hunter Biden apparently lives there now. So there is no way that if you're putting your stuff in Locker 7, you open it up that there's stuff in Locker 7 and you go, oh, wait a second, somebody's using this locker. People look at what they're doing. There's no way on God's green earth it was there for three days. If it was there for three days, then it could well be Hunter Biden's, right? That's where you start getting all this stuff, and you go, wait, maybe maybe it wasn't found on Sunday. Maybe it was found on 
on Friday. Maybe it was this, maybe it was that. You start asking a whole bunch of questions, and that's the real thing that the Secret Service is trying to avoid. Quote, there was no surveillance video found that provided investigative leads or any other means for investigators to identify who may have deposited the found substance in the area. Without physical evidence, the investigation will not be able to single out a person of interest from the hundreds of individuals who passed through the vestibule where the cocaine was discovered. At this time, the Secret Service investigation is closed due to lack of physical evidence. End quote. They're either full of excrement or they've just discovered a massive hole in the security protocols of the White House, of the West Wing, not just the White House. I suspect that they did not discover a massive hole in the security protocols of the West Wing. Like I say, they could find any and everybody they want in that video, anybody who was anywhere near this stuff, and they could drug test them today. They could drug test them today, and they haven't, which could only really mean one. If you have an investigative tool at your disposal that is unique to the federal government, really, work unique to the executive branch, and you don't avail yourself to that, what does that tell you? Tells you you don't really want to know what's going on, doesn't it? Sure as hell seems to me to be that way. So we will never know who took Hunter Biden's cocaine and put it in that locker in the vestibule in the White House. We don't. It'll be a mystery for all time. But I tell you, it was probably really unpleasant to be around that weekend up at uh, Camp David. He's looking for some kind of, you know what, I forgot to, I forgot an important phone. I need to get back to the, uh, the White House. He was probably super duper jittery. Honestly, just drug test everybody. Problem solved, isn't it? You drug test every employee who came through the White House on that, uh, those three days. You just take some whiz, whiz quiz. You should hit some really interesting positives, but you never, like a lawyer always says at trial, you never ask a question you don't already know the answer to. You don't want to be surprised. You want to be protected. You want to protect, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't bother. Really, really not surprising in any way, shape, or form. So congratulations, Hunter, for the small price of, I don't know, I don't know what cocaine goes for these days, probably a couple hundred dollars. You have made it more difficult for future junkies to be able to get into the White House. Speaking of future junkies, eh, he's not a junkie. He's actually in probably the best shape of anybody running for president. Robert Kennedy Jr. And I got a whole bunch of emails about this thing. And there was some correction. Somebody was tweeting at me about that uh, Reason Magazine video um, dissection of Robert Kennedy. Like, he said these things weren't available when he was in a... I didn't make the claims. I tagged the woman in the video and Reason Magazine, and they can address it. That's was Liz Wolf. I think it's at Liz Wolf, uh, with an E at the end, I believe. Talk to her about it. I don't understand the conservative obsession with Robert Kennedy, except that it's like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, which is in politics on occasion useful, but in general it's just a stupid strategy. 
because Robert Kennedy is not the idea of like, let's do a united ticket. We'll really win some Democratic votes if you put Trump and Kennedy on it. You won't. I don't think people on the right, especially people who love Donald Trump, understand, and I mean like the, the love Donald Trump could do no wrong people, the people who think that he was the greatest president ever and he did all these wonderful things. And he did some great things, but he just didn't do every wonderful thing. He didn't do a lot of things um, that he said he would do, but he swears he'll do them this time. That's fine. He'll be ba- way better than, than Joe Biden. But I don't think that the people who are loyal to a point that I could never be loyal to a politician and would never be loyal to a politician. Look at this, and they don't understand, they don't realize how disliked Donald Trump is. I'm not talking about hate. I'm not talking about, there are people, all the Democrats, they hate. They hate Donald Trump. They do. There's no two ways about it. But there's a whole other swath of people who just can't stand him. They just don't care. They don't want to hear about it. They're sick of him. Partially it's his fault because he won't leave people alone for like a weekend. But it's also the media's fault and part of the media's game. Donald Trump wants the attention and the media will cram him down people's throats to the point that if you watch, you know, like a band. A ba- I don't really like music much, but there are bands that sometimes just blow up. Just blow, and they're like, this is the best band, and they're every single where. TV shows, they're everywhere. They're not really, like uh, The Daily Show when Jon Stewart was hosting it. It was never that popular. It was never that popular. It never really, it occasionally would break a million people, viewers, but that was nothing. It would be beaten routinely by Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network where they would show reruns, 10-year-old reruns in a lot of cases, of Family Guy. But... The right people loved John Stewart. So you turn around you everywhere. Oh, he's on the cover of Time. He's on the cover of Newsweek. He's on the cover of People. He's being interviewed on this show and that show and the other show. And as somebody who never really found him to be, I mean, he could be amusing, but he wasn't all that funny to me. And I saw right through his shtick from the beginning, and it just wasn't for me. You watch this and you go, okay, enough, enough. I'm so sick of seeing it every time, every uh, John, what's his face? That obnoxious British guy, John Oliver, has that Sunday show on HBO. And every Monday there was a John Oliver eviscerates such and such. John Oliver eviscerates. And it was a write-up of John Oliver's monologue. And whatever it was, he was whining about like a little girl on Sunday night. With half true. Look, you can eviscerate anything you want if you ignore any evidence to the contrary and you only focus on what you want to make you can make any case you want you know your audience isn't going to go out and do research and go hey wait a second i'm gonna need to see your footnotes there johnny because i don't believe you're telling the whole story that's just not going to happen but the media reported on john oliver like he mattered like he was important and that made him that elevated him to a great degree way more than his minuscule audience ever deserved same with that show succession it's it was popular for HBO, but it's not popular in the grand scheme of things. It's kind of a boring show. It's only interesting in watching how the uh, you know the rich people lived, the fabulously wealthy lived. That was my really only interest in it. But the people who write the news loved it. Why? Because well, it's taking on the Murdoch family. It's ripping into the Murdoch family. Blah 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 blah. And we hate the Murdoch family. Congratulations 
So again, just like John Stewart, just like John Oliver, just like all these people, the Trevor Noah, who was never popular as a host of The Daily Show, they all kind of go and get elevated by these people. What they said was so important. Look at what, by the way, is the, has The Daily Show hired a new um, host? That tells you how little The Daily Show matters anymore. I knew they were trying out Everybody, if you were gay or a minority, you definitely got a shot to host The Daily Show because they wanted to find a new host for it. But I don't know if they ever did. I haven't. I don't know that I ever really watched the show regularly. And my only connection to The Daily Show is having twice turned down interview requests by them. So I just wasn't interested in helping them make me look stupid through the editing process. So, but... You watch all this crap and they elevate, they elevate, they elevate. Because they're saying the things that you like, they agree with one thing. Joe Rogan, same thing. Joe Rogan, I liked him on news radio. Uh, stand-up, I haven't seen his stand-up in forever. I remember it being okay. I remember him from Fear Factor more than anything else. Fear Factor and news radio. But his podcast is wildly popular. And on occasion, he says something that you're just sitting there going, yeah, right on, damn straight. But the rest of the time, he's either talking nonsense, talking crap, talking about things I don't care about, or he is exposing himself as a liberal. He's a kind of a left-leaning guy. He's not an activist on either side, but he's not a conservative. But conservatives are so desperate for anybody to go, oh, look, we got this celebrity. We got, that, we got this one. We got the other one. That they glom on to anything anybody says. Well, let's go look at this guy's a conservative. We're going to elevate him. We're going to invite him to CPAC. We're going to invite him to, to this. We're going to invite him to that. We're going to invite him to the other thing. Blah, 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 blah. And like, why? How about you make people, I don't know, accomplish something, prove something. But we're so obsessed. We talk about, and you hear these conservatives going, I don't care about popular culture. I don't care about popular. And then the second anybody in the popular culture says anything that's remotely conservative, it's like, oh, oh my God, look at, they're one of us. Oh, let's celebrate. Kim Kardashian, remember when she helped or worked with Trump to get that drug dealer freed or whatever the hell it was? I don't know. Kim Kardashian was a darling for a while. Then Kim Kardashian kind of had to renounce, denounce Trump. Why? Because she was catching hell from her sponsors, from her people who were paying her and from her fans. And so she did. It's weird how her disloyalty hasn't uh, incurred the backlash of so many people. But it was true. Just like, oh, no, I, I'm going to step away. I don't like this guy. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. It's a testament to just how pathetic the right establishment, conservative establishment, the Republican establishment can be that the barrier to entry is just be popular in any way, shape, or form, say something remotely conservative, and will glom onto you like a rash. That's what I think is behind this RFK thing. Oh, RFK, he is, uh, we don't like the vax. Great. I don't know how you reconcile that with overwhelming support for Donald Trump, but whatever. I don't like the vax either. Robert Kennedy is a good guy, and he's saying this stuff as a Democrat. Okay, great. What about the polio vaccine? What about the measles? What about all these other vaccines that have been proven to be effective, right? I don't like the COVID vaccine. It was rushed. It was garbage. And I, there's a lot of questions. And mostly the biggest problem is it doesn't work. That's the biggest problem, that it doesn't work. 
The other ones work. So if you don't want anybody to get other vaccines or whatever, that's kind of problematic to me. I don't think you get a pass. And I'm not going to hitch my wagon to somebody or even say nice things about somebody because they happen to say something I agree with every once in a while. And I sure as hell am not going to sit there and go, this guy should be on our, uh, this guy should be, he'd be a great vice president. He'd be a horrible vice president, especially with somebody like Trump, who could be easily swayed by somebody who really had access to him, unfettered access to him, and was able to convince him to do some really horrible things, really bad policy things. Well, as the love affair with RFK Jr. rolls on, this one, this story might be one of my favorite stories of the week, favorite stories of all time. From the page six at the New York Post. Camelot, it ain't, they write. Page six regrets to report that a press dinner to boost Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s presidential campaign descended into a foul bout of screaming and polemic farting Tuesday night. <laughs> uh, forget, he's, he's not Muhammad Ali. No, Muhammad Ali, he's gaseous clay. The White House hopeful attended the affair at Tony's on the Upper East Side, no doubt hoping to impress the ladies and gentlemen of the Fourth Estate of his worthiness to sit at the same Oval Office desk once occupied by his late uncle. But a shouting match over climate change broke out between two boisterous old men sending the evening down an extremely unfortunate path. Now, remember, Robert Kennedy is a massive anti-vaxxer in every way, shape, or form for every vaccine, or just about. He's also a full-blown devotee to climate change and the Green New Deal. You really want that on the ticket? <laughs> now, here's the best part. The gaseous exchange to which page six, page six bore reluctant witness began after a guest asked Kennedy, founder of the ecological organization Waterkeeper Alliance, about the environment. And it seems that the mere inquiry was enough to set off apparently drunk gossip columnist turned flack Doug Deckert, the host of the event, who became enraged and screamed at the top of his lungs, the climate hoax. Meanwhile, octogenarian art critic Anthony Hayden Guest, who appears to have been sleeping happily for most of the dinner, was roused by the abrupt rumpus. Now, why the, if you're trying to do media outreach, you, who invites the art critic? What are they going to do? You know what? I was totally against Kennedy until I found out that he was a, uh, an abstractionist fan. He suddenly opened his eyes and denounced his longtime pal Deckert, calling him a, quote, miserable blob. <laughs> Shut up, implored Hayden Guest. Only in New York, kids. Only in New York. Hayden Guest tells us he was not asleep. Quote, I was just thinking, he said. And he says he's the one who asked the question about the environment. Deckert continued to scream wildly about climate change scam while Hayden Guest peppered him with verbal volleys from across the table, calling him effing insane and insignificant. <laughs> I kind of wish, I, you know, I don't support Kennedy in any way, shape, or form, and I think people who do are kind of dumb. But 
I would have gone to this dinner. Meanwhile, Kennedy, a prospective president of the United States, watched calmly. Here, it seems Deckert sensed the need for a rhetorical tack and let rip a loud, prolonged fart while yelling, as if to underscore his point, quote, I'm farting. He was farting and yelling, I'm farting. <laughs> now, there's a picture of these people. I don't know, Doug Decker doesn't look all that old, but okay. The room, which included a handful of journalists as well as Kennedy's campaign manager, former Representative Dennis Kucinich, was stunned, seemingly unsure about whether Deckert was farting at Hayden Guest personally or at the very notion of global warming. Where is that fart directed at, sir? I don't know whether or not I should be offended. Regrettably, we may reassure readers that there was no room for doubt that the climate changed in the immediate environs of the dinner table. The candidate remained a steady composure in the face of a crisis. This needs to be a campaign commercial. I can, I can keep it together even in the face of gaseous, gaseous emissions. Former Page Six reporter Flo Anthony attempted to change the subject, telling Kennedy how much she admired his father, the tragic Attorney General Robert Kennedy, who was corrupt, as corrupt as the day is long. Sadly and somewhat inexplicably, another guest brought things back to climate change, leading to another round of yelling. We're told Deckert and Hayden Guest have known each other for three decades. When asked to comment on his outburst the next day, Deckert told us, quote, I apologize for using my flatulence as a medium of public commentary in your presence. <laughs> He also asked us to refer to him as a gallivanting boulevardier, I don't know what that is, or a beer-fueled sex rocket. But the beer-fueled sex rocket had picked up the tab for its evening as its host was unapologetically uh, about his views, telling us that he, quote, has zero tolerance for the climate hoax, scam nonsense, in any venue that I am personally funding. The testament to really what the Kennedy campaign is and has become, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> Farting. It's like suddenly they're the, the French guy in the Holy Grail. I fart in your general direction. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. That's the, uh, the state of the Kennedy campaign. Who wouldn't want that on their ticket, eh? Okay. In other news... We're not going to be getting anything out of Hollywood for a while. I don't even know why. Is it possible to root for a strike that goes on forever? <laughs> I mean, they're just remaking crap, so why not make a, uh, a strike that goes on forever? Who cares if Hollywood never comes back? The writers are on strike. Now the actors are on strike. Why, I don't know. has to do with streaming. They all want more money from streaming. I get it. Everybody wants more money. It's hard for me to have a lot of sympathy for somebody who gets you know, $10, $20 million a movie, works for three months, and then takes nine months off and sits on a super yacht that's given to him by some billionaire. But, you know, that's not everybody in acting. It would be interesting if in there were a uh, differentiation that these benefits, the residuals that they want, are not to be applied to people who are 
you know, have a net worth of over $20 million or $50 million or something, if they really cared about the little guy. But it's not. Look, if the big stars that are raking in the money didn't want this strike, this strike wouldn't happen. If they didn't want a bigger piece of the pie, they wouldn't be getting this. They wouldn't be doing this. So spare me all this crap. It just bothers me watching these things as they run around and claim victimhood, blah, blah, blah. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, I just wanted to mention that because I found it amusing that they're on strike and you go, who's on strike? What's on strike? What does this do? What does this mean? It don't mean nothing. Not to you. It won't impact your life. But, uh, but, 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 all right. I, uh, I'm sitting here looking at these things. There's only a couple things I want to talk, touch on again. There's a big forum today, I think, at the Blaze in... I just, I'm one of those people who really wants, look, I want to make money. Of course I want to make money. And the reason I'm not making more money is because I can't, I can't bring myself to be a whore, you know? It seems pretty simple. Just don't be a whore. I can't bring myself to be a whore. But so many of these outlets and everything, they're like, we're doing this candidate form. We're doing this. We're doing that. Come to, And it's just nonstop whoring like okay i get it you're a business and i can't differentiate this is why i have a problem working in the uh like in the private sector not in media in the private sector but in like like for a regular business i don't know that i could do that because they are about they have a fiduciary duty to their uh, shareholders in the nonprofit world where i probably would have been better off if i'd never worked in the nonprofit world you have a scenario where it's about the cause and you don't really have to worry about where's the return on this investment if you're working at various organizations that are charitable and have huge budgets and whatever you can hold grudges against them for other reasons and i do and they give me new reasons all the time including just recently for that resentment but the other the media outlets like they're doing this and then they're doing it for profit okay can't you just make a profit sort of, I don't know, not accidentally, but secondarily? I get that these are for-profit things, but they're supposedly conservative outlets. How about you try to make the profit secondarily, right? Instead of making this about a brand opportunity to get more subscribers and blah, blah why don't you do it f and let everybody have it? It doesn't have to be a branded experience, for you. If it's important that people see this, let people see it everywhere. Let everybody carry it. Open it up for all. Instead, it's going to be this event's going to be streaming because one website is sponsoring it. They pay, I mean, they paid an arm and a leg for it. And I think they're streaming it for free, but it's never going to get the kind of audience that allowing it to be on television would. Now, Fox wouldn't carry it because Tucker's moderating or ask, interrogating everybody but Trump who's refused to go but it's just to the point where you either into the cause first or into the profit first and one of my biggest problems is I can't whore out the first job I was offered out of college in 2000 I had two job offers one was at the Heritage Foundation in the bookstore which was nominal it was basically would you like fries with that and it was weird because there was no foot traffic because the bookstore was on the fourth floor. You couldn't get to the fourth floor. It was internal use only. I just gave 
donors and mail donors papers and the other one was an entry level like receptionist job at a lobbying firm that was for hire the lobbying firm paid $27,000 a year and the heritage foundation paid $26,000 per year now i had only ever made five digits in my life to that point once and i was like 20 i don't know it was in my mid 20s i think and i'd only made five digits once and it was roofing i made $12,000 one year cuz i took a semester off school and roofed for 8 bucks 850 an hour so yeah, a thousand bucks was something that was like, my God, what is this? I can't imagine a thousand dollars, but I couldn't go with a lobbying firm because it was for hire, which meant if Democrats walked through the door and they wrote the bigger check or whatever it was, I had to, or I'd have to be a party to, I was entry level, so I wasn't going to be doing anything, but I'd have to be a party to kind of trying to push that. And if I ever wanted to get ahead, if I ever wanted to get anywhere in the company or in the industry, I was going to have to prostitute myself out a little bit and i couldn't do it i couldn't do it so i took the the heritage foundation job i worked my way up there blindly loyal to heritage that loyalty hasn't really been returned but i was very loyal to heritage still love heritage as an idea and as an institution it's just some of the people and some of the bs rhetoric they we're family we're no they're more for the uh agenda for the conservative movement than not certainly than for hire but they've got their own problems but these other organizations at some point if you're making a fortune off of the conservative movement shouldn't you at some point do all right we're going to do this we're going to do this one for the conservative movement we're not going to do this one for the glory of us for the glory of our membership for the glory of our website for whatever we're going to do this one for everybody and it also goes down to the party. The party shouldn't be partnering up with particular media outlets in Iowa. They should be uh, opening it up to every single person out there with a camera who wants to come in. Now, again, Fox isn't going to do it because they're still whiny and butthurt over Tucker. They're the ones who fired. It's like somehow, so you break up with somebody, you break up with your girlfriend, and then she's dating a, a hotter dude who's rich, and you're like mad at her. How dare she go with that guy? Like, well, you you dumped her ass. What the hell you mean? How dare she go? She's she's going out there. Oh, no, that's terrible. She's an awful person. Just the whole damn thing is annoying as hell. So I'm not probably going to watch this. I'll watch clips of it or whatever that comes on. But in general, I'm not going to watch it simply because I'm not going to sit in front of my computer all day and stare at a monitor and go, hey, here we go. Here we go. Let's do this thing. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch in front of my... I don't understand how people can do that. Again, if I just whore myself out a lot more, even a little more, I could make a lot more money. I just don't have it in me. It's a problem. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I could be a whore. Stand up like uh, what's it, Robert Kennedy's friend and fart all over the place. and Host a dinner for a bunch of people and pick up the check. Anyway, lastly today, I love this stuff. Secretariat John Kerry. 
Fox News reporting, special presidential envoy for climate John Kerry lashed out at House lawmakers during a committee hearing on Thursday over the criticism of his use of a private jet that has emitted hundreds of metric tons of carbon, even as he battles climate change. I love it. As he battles climate change. He's not battling climate change. What is he standing on a mountaintop with a sword and a shield and a helmet going, come on, weather, bring it on. Kerry uh, see, quote, I just don't agree with your facts, which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageous, persistent lies that I hear, which is this private jet, Kerry said during a House Foreign Affairs Committee. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I have personally never owned a private jet. And obviously it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in on a private jet from the State Department up here. I just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go. I don't, this is always, John Kerry married a billionaire. John Kerry was already worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know if their family has a private jet. Owning a private jet can be a pain in the ass, just like a lot of rich people don't own yachts, yet you find them on vacation on yachts all the time. The whole show that I love, Below Deck, is based on that. And it's awesome. But it's a pain in the ass to own one, because you've got to do something. You can't just park it and go, all right, well, there you go, there's a, 200-foot super yacht. We'll just leave that sitting there for six months when I use it. No, you've got to maintain it. You've got to have a crew. You've got to lease it out, whatever. It's much easier for rich people to join net jets or borrow friends' private jets or get in on a, we own a company that owns a private jet. And then John Kerry's saying, I don't own a private jet would be technically accurate. But I promise you, John Kerry is one phone call away from a private jet any damn time he wants it. Are you one phone call away from a private jet? If you are, hit me up, because I'd love to fly in a private jet. But to sit there and whine about this, you're just a hypocrite. We get it. You've tried to justify this stuff before, John, saying that you buy carbon offsets. Carbon offsets are nothing more than paying third world dictators a sum of cash, something, some bogus amount of money in order to prevent them from allowing their citizenry to, I don't know, have decent roads, have decent bridges, have decent electricity, generate electricity of their own, get air conditioning, whatever. But the money never trickles down to the people anyway. It stays with the despot. They essentially empower despots to stay in power. Yet they're all going, we've got carbon offsets. I make sure to have a carbon offset. There's no such thing as a carbon offset. It's a damn joke. It's a disgrace. All right. I'm kind of out of gas. It's hot as hell today. It's right now 84, 5 degrees now. So I'm going to go downstairs from the upstairs where it's hot as hell to downstairs where it's only hot as, well, it's not all that hot as at all compared to where the sun is baking on the roof. It's Friday, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've got something great going this weekend. And I hope it involves patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com and the Weekend FM Review. Support the program. Enter the contest. Be there tonight at midnight or tomorrow at some point. We're back here on Monday. Have an awesome one. Thank you.